Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I don't have time this morning for a nice warm-up story. I don't have time to preheat the oven, so we're just going to get to cooking. All right, everybody? I was, uh, my wife, I told my wife, tell me to go fast for the first two points because the third one's the biggest point, all right? So here they are. I was, if I, I thought about this series in a lot of ways. If I was preaching this series to a group of pastors, I'll let you in on what I'd say to them. So if I was preaching this series to a group of pastors, I would probably take one point from every chapter. There's four chapters. And it would sound something like this. I would talk about, number one, I'd talk about Jonah's predicament. He had a major predicament because God called him to go somewhere and talk to a people group that he completely disagreed with. Woo, that's already preaching and you guys didn't even recognize it. Sometimes God calls us to love people that we completely have different opinions from. Okay, I'm, I, let, me, let me just tell you what I'd tell the pastors, not you guys, just the pastors. I, I would talk, number one, about Jonah's predicament. Chapter number two, I would talk about Jonah's prayer. Because how many know when you're in a, not about the whale, but when you're in a situation, you pray harder than any other time, right? And so I'd talk about his prayer. Number three, I would talk about Jonah's preaching. And it was powerful because it looked like the whole city, the whole community repented. And then number four, I would talk about Jonah's prejudice. And uh, I think that would wrap it up really nice and neat. And, and then I could just walk off the stage, get on an airplane, and fly home. But the reality is that I'm preaching it to you guys. If I was preaching it to pastors in that four points, it's neat, it's clean, it's precise, it has a bow on the top of it, and you just get out of there. But this book is not really that neat, everybody. Uh, I don't know if you've done your homework and you've read the four chapters, but there's some confusion in it, there's some messiness in it, there's some social injustice in it, there's some, I know we're not supposed to say this word in church, but there's some politics involved in it. I mean, there's some nasties in there. The book of Jonah is messy. And and it's messy from verse number one because the hero or the person that we think ought to be the hero of the story, he starts off in rebellion. And then by the time we get to the fourth chapter, it doesn't even really end. It just kind of leaves you with this cliffhanger, mic drop, there goes Jonah, and in the middle of a conversation that him and God were having, and we don't know the conclusion. How many know life can be frustrating when we don't know the conclusion, right? When you're right in the middle of it and you don't know how it's going to end, and this story ends with kind of a cliffhanger, but here's what the book of Jonah forces us to do. It, it, It forces us to look at the church's when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building, I'm talking about you and I, because we're the church. One of the things the book of Jonah does is it, it forces us to look at our messy mandate that Jesus himself has called us to. He called Jonah to go to a place to talk to, love, share grace with people that had differing opinions in him. But isn't that the same thing that Jesus called us to do was to go into all of the world? And last time I checked, in the Greek, in the Hebrew, all still means all. All the world. All the different kinds of the world. All the world that doesn't agree with what we agree with. Come on. Are you guys with me? Did I lose you so far? I mean, we're only three minutes in, okay? 
The book of Jonah begins to help us understand something very significant in our overall theology. The book of Jonah helps us understand that God can be just and merciful all at the same time. And sometimes even in Christian circles, we're divided on that. Have you ever been into a church where they preach on the justice of God and everything's a sin and everything's sending you to hell and God's going to judge everything? Anybody ever been there? If you haven't been there, my wife has. Two people have. All right. The rest of you are blessed, okay? Because, because there are those that would just preach the justice of God, that if you mess up, God's going to blow your world up. But then there's others that talk about just the grace or the mercy of God, and it's kind of like an anything goes. But the book of Jonah forces us to deal with the fact, what John wrote about later about Jesus, that he was full of mercy, and he was, excuse me, he was full of justice, and he was full of grace. It wasn't a balance of the two, it was full of both. And so, if you know the God of the Old Testament, you see a God that's, ju- that's just, And He's going to judge us for our sins. But if you only know the New Testament God, you know a God of grace. And if you're not careful, it'll be an easy believism. But Jonah helps us understand that while God is being just, He's also being gracious. And I like that God. Because sin still has to be atoned for. But I can't atone for it, and I need His grace. Is anybody in the same boat as I am? Come on now, right? And so, unlike us, there's a little sarcasm in that statement. Unlike us, Jonah wanted God to be just with some people (laughs) uh, and gracious with other people. Mm -hmm. I want you to be just with those different political party than me. I got both in the room. That's why I'm being careful, everybody, all right? I want God to be just with those they voted wrong, they love wrong, they vaccine wrong. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, But I want Him to be gracious to all of us that believe the way we believe. Uh, But how many of you know God's love is bigger than all of that? Aren't you glad for it? How many can tell already this is going to mess with all of us, right, everybody? So here's how I want to start this. I'm going to do my best to do... Uh, five points today, and all I'm going to do is just kind of open the curtain just a little bit and take the first five verses and make a a point out of the first five verses, and all that's going to do is kind of set the stage for the coming weeks, okay? So you guys ready? For those of you that are taking notes, write these things down. For those of you that are not taking notes, write these things down anyway, all right? So here we go. Let's talk about it. We'll dive into verse number one, but let's address it first. Let's talk about God's assignment. Uh, God's assignment. Um, Let's just dive right into Jonah chapter number 1, verse number 1, and it says something. I wanted to get past it, but I got hung up in it, and and I think there's something significant to it. So let's look at verse number 1. Here's what verse number 1 says. It says, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Now, this is just not any word. How many know when some people talk, it's like Charlie Brown's parents and teachers talking? But there's certain people that talk, you lean in and say, wait a minute, because of who it is, I need to listen to what it is. Yeah? Anybody? So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And, and, and I didn't want to get stuck here, but there's a significant point right here that addresses God's assignment. It's really easy for us as modern Christians to read the Old Testament and say, oh, look what God was doing in that guy's life, and look at how that guy responded. Jonah didn't do real good with God's assignment, 
But the reality is that Joan is not the only one with an assignment. (laughs) The reality is everybody in this room that is breathing, look at your neighbor, make sure they're still breathing. Everyone in the room that is breathing has an assignment from God. The word of the Lord, it came. In other words, God's assignment is moving into our lives. We don't have to go to find it. How many know his assignment will find us? God has an assignment, not just for Jonah. The point I want to make is that God has an assignment for every single person in this room. Come on. Would you do me a favor? Just look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Just, I just want to make sure you guys are awake today, all right? See, this reminds us that God has an assignment for us. But not only does he have an assignment for each one of us individually, watch this, he has an assignment for us as a church. See, God didn't need another church to come to the valley, to yet another city, and just start another church to do some more religious calisthenics, to do some more preaching and some more singing. God didn't need that. God had a unique assignment for us as a corporate body, which is why He is, it's not an accident, why He has assembled us all together for such a time as this. If you want to hear more about the vision of the church, I'd recommend two things. Number one is come to our next, next steps, but you just missed it, so it's not going to be around for two more months, all right? Or you can just come, you can sign up. There's no obligation to come to Kingdom Builders on August the 5th, because we're going to talk about our unique assignment. As a church, one of our assignments is that we have to reach people. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I have an assignment for you. The word of the Lord came specifically to Jonah to tell him what to do. I would challenge every one of us to begin to ask God, what is my assignment? What is my purpose? Not what is my job, not what is my career, but what am I called to do that is bigger than myself, that is bigger than putting food on the table that has kingdom impact. Right, everybody? Go into all the world. Jesus is the one that said, go into all of the world. He said said it this way, go into all the nations. Um, And so how does that relate? Because none of us are going to get on an airplane and go to Africa and be missionaries, probably. There might be one in here, I, I don't know. But our world is not the whole globe. It's hard to think that big. I can't change the world but I can change my world. And and, and I can start with myself, and I can start with my marriage, and I can start with my family, and I can start on my job, and I can start in my community. And so let's bring it down to a size that we can understand. What about the world of Skagit Valley? What is the assignment of Radius Church and the people of Radius to Skagit Valley? Uh, I know that when we came here, I've talked about uh, accomplishing unfinished business. I know part of my assignment is, is that we would raise up mighty men. I mean mighty godly men. Men that love their wives. Men that love Jesus. Men that aren't ashamed of the gospel. Men that are raising godly kids. Men that are leaving a legacy. Can I get an amen in the room? Or Come on now. 
to raise up mighty men. I think part of our assignment, our assignment is that we don't leave out the hurting and the less fortunate and the homeless and the hungry and the single moms. Uh, that, that, that we don't leave out those that society has left out. Come on, somebody. And it's easy to preach about that, but what about when we start spending money to put our money where our mouth is and buying buildings and hotels so that we can do year-long discipleship programs that teach them how to have a job, that helps them get their GED, that gives them counseling, that gives them teachers, that gives them pastors every day for a year. That's how we make a difference, not just handing them a sandwich and saying, God bless you. Come on, somebody. We have an assignment, right? We have an assignment. Not only do we have an assignment, we have an obligation. God has sent us Hundreds, at least a couple hundred kids that are under the age of two, uh, under the age of ten. How many know those kids are growing up? This year they're going to graduate to be junior hires. We need a place for them. We need a people for them. We have teenagers that are starting to come here all by themselves without parents. We need a youth room for them. Come on, we need a dream center. We need a place because that's our assignment. We can't sit here and be grateful for God's grace on our life without turning around and sharing God's grace on somebody else's life. Come on. Watch this. Watch this. Now, before you clap, I hope you clap after this. Because Jonah wasn't clapping about who God called him to. And it'd be easy to say, well, those teenagers aren't in my age bracket. I don't relate. I I get it. I know. Their language is weird. What is good is bad, and what's cool is stupid. I know. I get it. But if we're going to applaud, let's make sure we applaud towards those that are not like us. Because my assignment is to love those that live in a different culture, with a different worldview. Come on now, right? And every one of us have been gifted with a spiritual gift for the assignment that God has for us. Look at Romans chapter number 12 real quick. Uh, Romans 12 says this, For just as each of us has has one body with many members, and these members, right, do not all have the same function, right? Could you imagine if my eyes said, no fair, I want to be the mouth. The mouth in Ken's life gets more action. You know what I mean, right? He's always talking, right? And do not have the same function. We don't have the same function. We're not supposed to be wired the same way. There's people that can help finance the ministry, And there's other people that can get in the trenches and do some of the ministry. There's some of you that can bring medical care to the needy. There's some of you that can cook for the needy. Hello, somebody. There's some that have the gift of teaching and pastoring, and you can help us mentor these young students as they're growing up. The whole body of Christ working together. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. What does it go on to say? If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Come on. You can be the best cheerleader in town. Come on now. Right? Watch this. If it is giving, hello kingdom builders, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully because we all have an assignment in the body of Christ. Right, everybody? Let me say it one more time. We all have an assignment 
And if you're in here and you're 85 years old, you might be called to go to Nineveh. Nineveh contextually might mean you have to believe in and help us support a teenager. Come on. You have to applaud. Yeah, we got to reach junior hires. Because if we don't, who will? And if we're not the primary voice in their life, who will be the primary voice in their life? How many of you wish somebody would have spoke God into your life when you were in junior high and high school? Hello? The rest of you aren't even telling the truth, all right? If you're 20 years old, God has an assignment for you. If you're 80 years old, God has an assignment for you. Let me say, a church is at its best and can accomplish a whole lot more when we understand that we all have an assignment. Number one, God's assignment. Number two, verse number two, is we have to talk about the bad Assyrians. Are you already on to what I'm talking about? Don't you love those letter A's? Come on now. I'm I'm expecting a little support on that. Jake's message was really good last week, but his letters all didn't start the same. That was a great message, buddy. The bad Assyrians. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. I just want you to see this. Let me give you the verse. Verse number two. It says, go... I want you to notice this, to the great city, to the great city. See, God in his mercy is able to distinguish between where you're at and the greatness that is in you. We love to look at a people and call them wicked, but God can look at them and call them great. Despite their wickedness, watch this, go to the great city of Nineveh. I love that God's still calling them great, even though they're different than Jonah. Even though they voted another way, God calls them great. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, watch this, because its wickedness has come up before me. So there is mercy, but there's also justice right there in that verse. Mm -hmm. There's wickedness we have to deal with, but I'm going to deal with it by, I want you to go there and preach grace. Oh, wow. All right. Let's break this down. Um, First of all, what I want you to notice is this isn't a small assignment God has called Jonah to. It's a pretty big deal. And and by the way, if your dream doesn't make you sweat a little bit, you need a bigger dream. All right? Uh, uh, These are some bad people. Understanding how bad they are helps us understand the level of faith it is required for all of us to go. Because when God calls us to go, He doesn't call pastors to go. He calls the body of Christ to go. And some of us don't go because it's overwhelming to us. See, what Jonah is faced with, this is not not like trying to get your barista to come to church, everybody, (laughs) okay? Some of us, oh, i got to ask this lady, i got to ask this guy. The the Assyrians are the most violent. By the way, Nineveh is the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are the most violent, the cruelest empire of ancient times. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But they would decapitate their enemies and build buildings and pyramids out of their skulls. Huh? I mean, that's just a warning. You know, hey, places to stay on vacation, you know? I mean, like, whoa. How I many know you'd get a vibe, this is a bad place, when the hotel you're staying at is built with the enemy's skulls, right, everybody? They would force family members to carry their loved one's heads on a pole through a city parade as they chanted and as they celebrated their victory. Um, How bad they are helps us contrast with what God may be calling us to do. In other words, God may be calling us to do something that is tough, that is challenging, but everything we need is right outside our comfort zone. You guys still with me? 
Number three, here's the doozy. Number three is Jonah's avoidance. So we got God's assignment. We got bad Assyrians. And here's where I really want to spend the crux of our time. Jonah's avoidance. Look what happens in verse number three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, I could get into all the geography of this. He was called to go 500 miles one way. He fled 2,500 miles the other way. How many know you'll work harder to run from God than to embrace God's will in your life, right? Oh, I got to work on, I, I got to work. I can't do it. Uh, anyway, all right. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, there will always be a fare, <laughs> he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Isn't that almost a comical line right there? To flee from the Lord. I just want to say, Jonah, did you not read about Adam trying to hide behind a fig leaf? Come on. Wherever you find to hide, God was already there. God invented the rock and the excuse that you're hiding behind, right? Uh, now, here's what I want to get to before I get too distracted. This point, if, there's, if you haven't listened to me yet, at least give me 10 minutes to make this point, and you can tune me out the rest of the message. But there's an arrogance here to Jonah. Because God's saying, I love that group of people. And Jonah's saying, I don't. Hmm. I love those people. And Jonah's saying, too bad, so sad. I'm going to go do something else. And there's an arrogance. And listen to me, the reason I'm preaching this is I want to make sure that Radius never develops a spiritual arrogance that says we versus them. And we godly and them terrible people. Because it's hard to love people that you hate on. I'm back. It's the first time in Scripture. Here's what you need to understand. It's the first time in Scripture. It's the first time ever that God had one of his prophets go to another people group. Up to this point, all the prophets only spoke to the people of God. Kind of like modern day church. We only preach to those that look like, talk like, agree like, have theology like us. But this is the first time. See, Jonah loved when he got to preach to all all the godly people, but God says, no, I love the godly people, but I love those maniacs over there too, and I want you to go share my love with them. What? Can you hear the record scratching? Eh, no. And, 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 and so it's the first time. There are a whole other people group. I want to dive into this just a little bit. There are another people group that wasn't like Jonah. They didn't look like Jonah. They didn't believe like Jonah. They didn't have the same politics as Jonah. They didn't have the same worldview as Jonah. They didn't have the same God view. Are you guys getting the point? They were the people that we criticize on social media. Mm -hmm. See, what I've learned about Jonah already in three verses is Jonah did not have an open circle. He didn't. He said, I want to preach to the godly people, but I don't know about them. Their politics is whacked. Their sexuality is different. Oh, come on. 
Mm-hmm. He, he didn't really care. For, he, he didn't really care for or love those that were different than him. Uh, now, this needs to speak to us, friends. I've sat on this message. Janessa addressed the dream team this morning and said, my dad's been sitting on this message a long time. And the reason I've been sitting it on a long time is I wanted to make sure I'm not louder than I normally am because some of this stuff is frustrating. It needs to speak to us because I'll just say, I'll just make an identification point. Because since 2020, anybody remember that year? 2020? 2020 has made us look a little bit like Jonah. We love God, church, but my question for us today do we love the people that God loves? I thought it would get quiet, and I wanted to bring a really fun, I had some jokes to tell when I came back. Social media has allowed us to run and hide while publicly demonizing whole groups of people that we've never met. Come on, everybody. And you might not have social media, but we can still do it without social media. Uh, can, I, can I wade into this a little further? How's this side of the room? You guys are quiet over here. You guys still good over here? I, I, listen, I'm just going to talk a little bit real quick of experience of 2022 from where I sit. I watched us use the pulpits of America. I, I, I watched us use social media to run from people, no different than Jonah, to run from people groups by pushing them away. Hmm. Okay, let's do it this way. Just replace the word Assyrians. Hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go minister to those Assyrians. Take the word Assyrians out, and let's put some different words in there. Okay, everybody? Just for fun. I know none of you do this, but all you heathens online, you do this. All right, all you vacationers. Yes, I'm jealous. Oh, no, I'm not. I just got back. Okay. But just replace the word Assyrians with these words. Do we push back on the Assyrians and say, no, I don't care about them? I don't care about those Assyrians. I I don't care about the Democrats. I don't care about those Republicans. I I don't care about the gay. Oh, let's break down even smaller because we can get really petty. I I, I don't care about those those crazy mask wearers. I'm mad at those that went and got a vaccine. I'm mad at those that refused to get a vaccine. That group, that whole people group, I hate them all. I don't want to share God's grace with them, but let me tell them about God's judgment. Ah. And I'm not bold enough to do it at a sit-down coffee. Let's communicate. Let me do it on social media and really let them have it and tag it with a Bible verse. That's kind of tough, ain't it? Can I tell you something? In case you've been in the church bubble too long, that's what the world thinks of us. And I think it's time to change that mentality. Am I right about it? Come on, everybody, right? When we fight for our right to be right, we exclude and we run from whole people groups. Now, I'll tell you a story. I usually don't use these stories because I don't want it to get too negative, and I sense the negativity in the room. But hang with me. when, When COVID first happened and we were told that we couldn't go to church, all the posts happened. And, and, and I was criticized big time. I, I, I took down as many posts as I could because I didn't want you to get all poisoned by it. But when, when we were told to stay away from church, I was criticized. And, and here was the criticism. Well, that pastor of ours isn't making a stand. 
He's not taking a stand. He's not making a stand uh, uh, regarding meeting together. And then there was all the verses. Thou shalt not forsake the assembling of ourselves. As though Christians are going to backslide because you can't. If your faith is so shallow that you're going to backslide because we can't come together and sing the same songs together, you got to get your roots a little deeper in God. Amen, everybody? Come on now. Now, hold on. So I was criticized for not making a stand, and I get where they're coming from. I'm okay. I'm not still mad about it. That's why I'm able to preach about it today. That Ken, he won't make a stand. A lot of people left the church because their opinion was I wouldn't make a stand. When nothing was further from the truth, it's really hard to stand when you're not standing on one side or the other side. Come on, you want to take a stand? Try to stand right in the middle and hold this group together and this group together and say, can't we all just get along? Because there's a bigger issue here than vaccine and non-vaccine and mask and no mask and gay and straight and Democrat and Republican. Come on, am I right about this? There is more at stake than us winning the argument, everyone. There is more at stake. Um, and, and so, I, and, and let me show you why I, I, that stand was important. That stand is important because uh, while I felt that we wanted, I wanted us to follow the rules that the whole world was being asked to follow. Because I didn't want the world looking at us as a church and being mad at us because we think we're above it all. Because while I was making Christians mad, I was trying to make sure I was keeping my arms open for those that don't look like, talk like, believe like, vote like. Come on, is this making sense to anybody besides me? Yeah, yeah. I thought I would do more damage to the local church by saying, oh no, we're going to meet together. And we could win the battle and lose some souls. And our heart has got to first be for people, everybody. It can't be about our issue. It has to be for people. They, the world can't see us unloving and uncaring. When we decide, no, we're going to do what we want to do, then the world views us as, oh, they're just trying to gain more power. But when we're willing, come on, to lose some little things, didn't Jesus talk about those that are willing to lose their life shall gain their life? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, see, should I say, okay, all right. Uh. While trying to save America, we run from the very Americans that need the saving. My wife, uh, Jake, talked about anxiety last week, and he talked about panic attacks. And Patty, somewhere in early 2000, 2001, had a severe panic attack in the middle of the night. We didn't know what panic attacks were back then. I'd never heard of it. I heard of people worrying, and I was like, get over it. <laughs> and then God smacked me in the head and said, you get over it. <laughs> My wife woke up in a sweat, heart pounding, terif- terrified in her eyes. She thought she was having a heart attack. I thought she was having a heart attack. I called 911. I went up and told the kids, I said, hey, Nothing really to look at here, just all these ambulance and fire trucks in the driveway. Everything's going to be all right. And when they got there, they didn't have to knock on the door. The door was open. I was in the driveway right here. 
right here. Have any of you ever experienced something like this? Right here. This, this is, come on, right here. And I didn't stop them. I'm going to be really stupidly silly for a moment just to make a point. I did not stop them. And I did not ask them if they were Democrat or Republican. I didn't ask them what bumper sticker was on their car. I didn't ask them if they were gay or straight. I didn't ask them if they were Christian or non-Christian. All I knew is they were human beings that God has invested life into. And this human being needed that human being. And together we're all better. Can I get a good amen on that? Um, I re- uh, uh, recently a friend invited somebody to come to church and they worked hard, hard, hard and they came during the COVID, the biggest part of the COVID time and when they showed up here, uh, they showed up wearing a mask where 90% of our, the people here weren't and they overheard somebody talking about how stupid it was that people were wearing masks. That person hasn't ever been back to church. We've got to have a bigger heart than what the social media and the mainstream media is telling us to have a heart for. God so loved the world. I told you, Jonah, it's not about the whale. Can we please go back to the fish? The fish is much more fun. Can we go back to the fish? See, we cannot hate people or demonize a whole political group or social group or any other group. We can't war with people and love them at the same time. Come on. Are you guys there today? Watch, watch it. Don't take my word for it. Let's look at Paul. Let's look at Paul real quick. Watch Paul. You think I'm not taking a stand. Check Paul out. Watch Paul. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To a Republican, I became like a Republican. To the Democrat, I became like the Democrat. To the mask wearer, I became like a mask wearer. To the non-mask wearers, I became like a, like a mask Come on, are you guys following this? Okay, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. To win the Jew. To what? To win the Jews. Mm. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself, I'm not under the law. That's not my opinion. But I care about this group. Mm-hmm. So as to win those that are, un- you see Paul's underlying concern? He wants to win people for the glory of God. He, he wants to win people, not an argument. Mm-hmm. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law. In other words, I don't necessarily agree, but I want to I love this group of people. So as to win those not having the law. Is there any more to that or is that it? Uh, that's good enough because I'm out of time anyway. Um, it'd be easy to read that. If we were reading Paul wrote that on social media during 2020, we would criticize Paul like crazy. Come on, Paul, make a stand. Get on one side or the other. But Paul decided he wasn't going to choose a side. And ladies and gentlemen, neither will I. I'm on the whole side. I'm on God's side. And last time I checked, God's for everybody, sinners and saints. Come on. Some of you can't clap or amen because you're like, oh, I never heard this in church. Oh, my goodness, right? Let me give you some scripture. Jesus himself, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. All nations. Now, nations here means people groups. But all nations. 
let me just say one more little tough thing, and then we'll, we'll try to smooth our way out of this thing. We can't go into all nations while we've eliminated those in our very own nation that don't believe the way we believe. <laughs> let me say something, one last little tough thing. Hide your toes under your chairs. And this is not partisan. This is not political. I put it in the message. I took it out. I put it in. I took it out. I put it in. And I ran out of time, so it's still in there. All right? This has nothing to do with where I stand politically, this statement. Some of you are going to say, oh, then that means he's, no. has nothing to do with where I stand politically. The mission of the church. Uh, let me just, can I see the hands of a few people that like me in the room? Can I, can, okay. Bob, I didn't see you raise your hand over there. Huh? You don't? Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Because this next statement is tough, and it's going to cut. It's going to cut. And I want to say it with a life-giving way. I say it because we got to love people. And so here it is. The mission of the church is not to make America great again. It's to help Americans be great by knowing there's a God that loves them no matter how bad they are. And if we'll love people, now, now hold on, because this, this makes it sound like I'm not a patriot. I, I, oh, say, can you say, I, I, I am a patriot. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, that have served in the military, that I can get up and preach with the freedom of this. I'm a patriot. And, but listen, if we don't make people first, if people aren't our number one priority, then, 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 then our call to people. Otherwise, what happens is I make, I make patriotism and I make politics more important than people. And when I die, I'm not going to the White House. I'm an American just like all of you. I love America. So don't go out here saying, oh, he's not really patriotic. I'm very patriotic. Come on now. Uh, on 4th of July, I have a barbecue too, okay, everybody? <laughs> I'm very patriotic, and I take my part in politics. But those things come second to people and the people that God loves. Come on, everybody, right? Okay, okay, let's wrap it up with one more thing that Jesus said, and then we got to close. Jesus said this. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love the Republicans. Love the straight. Love, no, love one another. Left off the oh, E over there. As I have loved you. You know what he leverages? He doesn't leverage a command. He doesn't say love one another because I said so. He says, hey, I want you to love one another. Oh, by the way, these last three years you've walked with me, what I've done, you do that. What did he do? He had lunch with Zacchaeus. The only political statement Jesus ever made was pay your taxes. Love one another like I've loved you. And I've opened my arms to the people that the church didn't want to open. The adulterous woman, Zacchaeus, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. Come on, everybody. All right. Let me, let me give you one more. Number four. These two will be fast. Number four uh, is God's action. So God's action is this. Look at verse number four real quick. 
uh, then the Lord sent a great wind to the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship was threatened to break up. Here's all I want to say on that. God loves you too much to leave us the way we are, so sometimes He will order a storm, so the storm will cause us to cling and grab a hold of the right things. Mm-hmm. Storms are me- not meant to destroy us. The storm didn't destroy Jonah. <laughs> he might have wished he was destroyed. The storm did. In fact, in God's grace, God ordered an Uber for Jonah. I told you it's not about the whale. The whale was just an Uber to get him from one place to the other, everybody, all right? I had to come up with a different term. But anyway, listen, God loves you too much to leave you. So sometimes we go through storms because God has an assignment that we've been ignoring. Okay, let me do the last point. I just skipped three pages. Let me do this last point, though. The sailor's attempt. And, and, and let me have, it, it's 10.02. Let me have two. If you're mad at me right now, set that aside and pick it up when you leave. And, and hear this little point right here, because this point rocked my world. The sailor's attempt. Watch this. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, which was not the God. It was their little G-gods, their little philosophies. Their little policies. And, and they threw their cargo into the sea and lightened their ships. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell in a deep sleep. Sounds like Peter, doesn't it? But i, I got to say, watch, watch this, watch this. They were afraid and each cried out, the sailors who are pagans, they're non-believers, they're praying, they're throwing things overboard. Are you catching this? They are doing more than the man of God is doing. He's downstairs sleeping while they're facing a pandemic, I mean, while they're facing a storm. They're trying to do everything they know how to do. They're trying to reach our junior hires. They're trying to reach teenagers. They're trying to build up families. They're trying to solve the homeless problem. They're trying to do everything they know how to do. And the church cannot afford to be sleeping down below the deck with our pretty little church songs. It's time for us to wake up. There is a storm in our society, and God needs us to fulfill our assignment. Come on, everybody, right? There's some things going on in this community we cannot sleep on. We cannot sleep on sex trafficking. We cannot sleep. We have the number one teenage runaway in the whole state of Washington. We can't sleep on that, everybody. We can't sleep and say, well, I'm comfortable down here. Let me close with this story. I've been gone a few weeks. I've been storing up, everyone. For those history buffs in the room, Napoleon Bonaparte rolled out a map, had all his soldiers around him as he was strategizing war. And he rolled out a map and he took his finger like this and he said, shh. And he traced out a great nation. And he said, men, let China sleep. For if she ever wakes up, she will shake the world. That's not the story I want you to hear. The story I want you to hear is there's a real devil, and he's in hell with all his demon hordes, and he rolls out a map and a strategy to destroy your assignment and mine. And he looks around his guys, and he traces the church. 
And he says, shh, let the church sleep. Because if they ever wake up, they will shake Skagit Valley. Come on, everybody. Are you hearing me? If they ever start putting their energy, their finances, their time into their assignment, rather than all this other stuff, buckle your seatbelt. Because the wor- this community, this is no negative on any church in this community. I love them all. But this community has not seen yet what God wants to do in this valley. Can I get an amen? Would you stand with me all over this place? i got to let you go.